Welcome back to another episode of the Love in a Cottage podcast. I'm your host, Paige Geidel, and I'm so glad that you found us. We are a community of creative Christian women in their 20s, and you are invited to be a part of it. Each week, I invite a guest on the show to chat about all things marriage, motherhood, homemaking, small business, and following Jesus. I hope this show feels like you're hanging out with your friends at your favorite coffee shop and that you leave feeling encouraged, understood, and inspired. Let's dive into today's show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Love in a Cottage. We are on episode number eight. It feels so good to be sharing regularly and I've been so encouraged by the number of just awesome conversations I've been having lately with women for the show and know that today is another super encouraging episode. Today's episode is with Zan and I am so excited for you to hear from her because she is a mom of two under two, two girls under two, which if you didn't know, I am a mom of two under two. I am due with my second girl in September. So I just loved picking her brain on all of the two under two things. And she also shares practical homemaking tips, especially as like a mom with young kids, as well as her and her husband's heart for hosting people and just really inviting people into their home as a ministry, which is so cool. I love that so much. Grab a coffee if you can, or if you are doing the dishes and cleaning up, just know that we are with you. Whatever you're doing, I know you're going to love this episode. Let's dive in. Yay, Zan. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited to talk with you today. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. So I wanted to start off just by kind of explaining to our listeners how we got connected. And it's fun. I told you a second ago a second ago that I'm kind of fangirly (laughs) because I follow you on Instagram. You have the best mom reels. I am just living for them. Like every time I get on, I'm like, I wonder if Zan has posted her reel today. So just want you to know. Reel every day for the last like two weeks. I love it. But we are a part of the same oils team and you're a leader on our team. And I have really loved like kind of watching and getting to know you from afar because I feel like we have really similar values and I just love the way that you live your life. And so that's why I reached out to you to kind of talk and hear a little bit more of your story. So to start off, I like to ask every person that I interview, if you can just kind of give us the rundown of who you are, your name, husband's name, um, how long you've been married, if you have any kids, and where you live, that type of thing. All right. Yes, I am Zan. Uh, I've been married to my husband, Nathaniel, for just over three years in May. Um, we met our sophomore, junior year of college, and we got married a week after we graduated from college. At We were 22 and 23. Now we're, what, 24 and 25. Um, that doesn't make sense. 21 and 22. Anyway, uh, we have two girls. We have Emery, who just turned 16 months old, and then Verity, who was born the beginning of May. So she's about seven weeks now. Wow. That's it. <laughs> oh my goodness. I cannot wait to pick your brain on all of the two under two things for purely selfish reasons, <laughs> but I know our listeners will be super excited to hear about that too. And I'm sure you get this all the time. Like I said, before this interview started, I recently had an aha moment, I think, figuring out your name, but just reading it, it is so unique. Can you share a little bit about your name? Yeah, I think it looks cooler than it is on paper, but um, so my name is Zan, but my full name is Alexandra. So when I was younger, it was shortened to Zandra a lot, I think, to find a nickname other than the typical, like... Alex, Allie. Um, And then by high school, it pretty much just became Zan and it stuck. And then once I went to college, it was very solidified because they, there was no one that knew me as anything else because that's how I introduced myself. And now it's basically just doctors and DMV workers that call me Alexandra, just people who see my legal name. (laughs) 
Yes, that's so cool. And I love your girls' names. What was like the process like of you guys choosing those? Yeah, boy names were so much easier for my husband and I to come up with. We just like always agreed on boy names and girl names were so hard. And of course, we got two girls. But for Emery, we thought she was a boy our whole, up until our anatomy scan, I had taken an early blood test and it was boy. So we like called her by her name, her his name <laughs> and like all the things. Um, and then when she was a girl, we were like, oh gosh. And it took us like a month to figure out the name, but we wanted it to be, we wanted kind of more unique names, but then we wanted it to have some kind of meaning. So actually Emery is the name my husband and I are super into like hiking and all that. So Emory is a trail, Emory Peak Trail in Big Bend National Park in Texas. And we just really liked that hike. <laughs> Some, nothing magical happened on it, but we liked it. Um, and Ray, this is actually kind of funny story. You got more than you were asking for probably. <laughs> but- I want to know. It's helpful. We're trying to pick out a name right now <laughs> for a second. <laughs> They're stuck with it for their whole life. Um, we were, we had Emery solidified and then we were like, it was like a Saturday morning. We were just driving around trying to think of middle names and we went, we stopped for coffee and I'm shamefully the queen of eavesdropping. Like anywhere I go, if somebody's like, I can hear like any conversation, I'll like tell my husband to be quiet so I can finish hearing it. And he gets so mad at me, but I'm like ordering coffee and I hear these dads who they were like on like a dad daughter double date. It was so sweet at the coffee shop. And I heard them talking to each other and like talking about their names. And the dad was explaining to his dad friend that his daughter's middle name or name was Ray, R-A-Y, because it was like a ray of light in a dark world. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love that. And I turned to Nathaniel. Well, I told him afterwards. I probably didn't say it right in that moment, but I was like, okay, I have it. And so it's Emery Ray. Um, And then Verity Grace was because Verity means we, I wanted something kind of unique, but it was also kind of classic. So it's like one of those like more timeless names. But Verity means truth, and we're really big in our like marriage. Like a big thing we talk about is being willing to speak the truth, but speaking it with grace. Um, so mm. truth and grace, Verity Grace. <laughs> I love that. That is so cool, and I love that you have stories and thought behind it like behind why you chose their names I think that's so special and that's going to be so cool for them to grow up knowing that like everything about how you guys parent and how you live your lives as a family even down to like when they were first born choosing their names was so intentional and thought through and I feel like that is just a really special gift that you were able to give to them yeah thanks So I have all the questions about motherhood, but I want to get a little glimpse into how you met Jesus and your husband. I know you said you met him in college, right? Yes. Um, Okay, we'll start with how I met my husband, then how I met Jesus. (laughs) We'll get progressive. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so my husband and I met like all good Christians do on a mission trip. Oh, man. (laughs) Basic. But yeah, it was a mission trip to Arlington, Texas, just outside of Dallas. Um, Yeah, he was working as a summer missionary with our church, and I was working with the youth group. Anyway, long story short, he introduced himself, and the first night of knowing each other, we like the first day we met, we talked for like hours that night just about random life things. All the little kids on the trip were like, like all that and then um a crazy meant to be situation I guess on the way back we were riding separate buses we tread our buses back to Alabama where we went to college and one of the bus I was on broke down his didn't break down but everyone the pack had to stay together so we all stopped and we were at a travel center like this big gas station in just like an hour away from where we were in Texas and we were there for like 10 or 11 hours and everyone was miserable, just wanted to go home. But we were getting to know everything about each other. Like it's basically, I mean, who knows, but it's so much of why our relationship 
got deep right away because we literally talked about anything and we're both really like not small talk people like we're gonna talk about important things if the other person you know like both of us were jiving with the important conversations so we literally talked about like what we want in our futures (laughs) like all these things and it was crazy because I remember just being like holy cow like we want all the same things like I would say I pretty much walked away from that extremely confident we would date and like feeling pretty likely we could get married which sounds a little crazy but it was just one of those like I just kind of knew. So yeah, that was how my husband and I met. And then how I met Jesus. I, yeah, I grew up going to church, sort of like, it was very begrudging. It was kind of a part of our life. Like, yeah, I, I more so tried to get out of going to church every Sunday. Um, the Christianity that I was surrounded by, or was surrounded by was very cultural. Um, if at all any, but I didn't grow up in the South. I moved to the South later, but I didn't really grow up in the Bible Belt at all. So if there was Christianity, it was pretty cultural. Mostly there wasn't Christianity. Um, But yeah, needless to say, I didn't really have a true understanding of the gospel. Scripture was definitely not an integral part of my life or anything like that. I would say in high school. So I moved to the Bible Belt, which could fuel a lot of <laughs> cultural Christianity. But for me, not coming from that background where it was like just the thing you did, it was like, whoa, this is crazy. Like everyone loves going to church. Everyone goes to youth group. So it was actually like a blessing for me that that was just a part of people's life because it got me really immersed in the church and in hearing the gospel. And so, yeah, I think in high school is when I truly first understood the gospel and then understood like actually I am a sinner and I'm not like that's been a big part of my story is like because I've kind of been the like good girl and like not necessarily understanding that I need grace too and Jesus had to die for me too um that's when I truly started to understand that and then I would say it was kind of just a slow growth and deepening of my relationship with the Lord through high school but I really I grew a lot more and like really, really understood um, the depths of the gospel and all that by around college when I was like asking harder questions and um, yeah, really like understanding for myself what I believe and why I believe it more so than just like being taught things. But um, yeah, finding answers for myself. Sorry, my daughter started crying in the other room. So it's like that mom magnet of like... (laughs) Your brain just goes there. Yeah. You're totally fine. The baby's crying when they're tired kills me. It's like, just yes. sleep. <laughs> just go to sleep. Totally. Zan, that's so cool. I had never actually heard like that part of your story, I don't think. And I'm so glad that like God put it on my heart to ask that because I feel like our stories are similar in that like I totally identified with this like good girl mentality and even just like the church environment. I was raised in felt really safe, which is good, but just like sin was not really um, emphasized, I guess. It's funny because my husband grew up Lutheran. And so for him, grace has been like super powerful, I guess, as he's matured in his faith. But for me, it's been like this humbling realization that I sin all the time. And I remember having thoughts of like, I'm sure I do sin, but like, I don't know. It's so bad to say out loud. Like, I don't know what it is. No, I'm know. sure I do. And so, yeah, I just love um, and appreciate that you you were willing to share a little bit about that because I relate to that a lot. So one of the biggest ways that I feel like I've connected with you is that you have two daughters under two. And I know you are like in the thick of adjusting and this new season. And I would just love to hear a little bit about how or if you and Nathaniel like chose to have two and or two and just what that first this first like month month and a half has been like for you how are you doing (laughs) (laughs) we're we're thriving over here we're we're at least surviving um yeah so a little backstory I guess but Emery was Emery's our first and we found out when we were pregnant with her just like a month after our one year anniversary. Um, We weren't planning to have kids that early, but obviously we were rolling with it. Um, 
I knew once I had kids, I would want to have them close together. I knew, like, we both kind of, Nathaniel's a seven and a very, very seven, seven. So, like, I think he was kind of in denial that he was going to have, not that he was going to have kids, but that it was going to be anytime soon. Um, but I, I knew for sure that I, like, wanted a bunch of kids and wanted them to be closer together, wanted to be a young mom, all these things. So once we had Emery, it was probably like two months into life, which now looking back, I'm like, that's crazy because I'm so far from having baby fever right now. But probably like two months into having Emery, I was like, I'm so ready to have another one. Um, so I was like, I don't really know how that'll work. But then at like four or five months, I got my period and I was like, I guess I can have another baby. Uh, TMI maybe, but I guess. No, we're here. We're here for this. <laughs> um, and never had another period. And there's Verity. <laughs> but yeah, it's definitely been very full, to say the least. Our days have been very full. But I truly think that the adjustment from zero kids to one kid is harder and it's just so much harder than one to two um yeah because I mean I think becoming a mom for the first time is this transition that's like unlike anything else like you and even from a practical standpoint like you're used to even though you you've kind of sacrificed a few things when you got married as far as your time goes like for the most part you're still pretty much living your lives. Like you're still two adults that have autonomy over how they choose to spend each minute. And then suddenly your time is not your own at all. And that can be really, really hard. That was really hard for me. I know we just said we were both Enneagram threes. Like that was really hard for me to adjust to of like, I had to like, I very much found that I measured my days in how productive I was and like becoming a mom really just convicted me of that and made me realize like productivity isn't necessarily doing your whole to-do list like keeping a child alive and being a mother is productive <laughs> like there's a lot I had to learn about that and I'm still learning about that and anyway um but you've kind of had that adjustment with one kid and so by the time the second comes like you're kind of used to that to the idea that you're not going to exactly be able to choose exactly what you do with your day. Um, I will say it is hard because the newborn stage is, you kind of forget about the newborn stage because once they're toddlers, there is some freedom again. Like they're kind of independent play and stuff. And now I'm back to like, okay, this, this little human is depending on me for all the things, but it's been good. And it also, as cliche as it sounds, it all goes by so quickly. Like, I'm like, we're already seven weeks in, which means we're getting closer to those, like, longer naps. And before I know it, like, a few months will pass and she'll be sitting up. And, like, it's just, it all is such a quick season that it's, when you're just at the end of your rope and you're like, oh, I don't, I'm so exhausted. I don't know if I can do it. It's like, you're out of that season. So. Totally. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And what is your girl's exact age difference? Is it 14 months? It is, yep. Okay. Wow. That's so awesome. I'm curious, like, how has Emery, I guess, processed, like, when you were pregnant, do you feel like she <laughs> understood or what is, does she have any interest in Verity? She has a lot of interest, for sure. It's, it's changed a little um, over the past few weeks. Like, she definitely was kind of just... We got her a baby doll before Verity was born to try to like adjust to like, I don't even know what it did, but we were like, baby, baby. Um, and then when, so then when she got, she had the real baby around, she was just like really curious about like looking at her, but she really wasn't, she was always really into kids. So we thought it was going to go great, but she's just not as gentle as we needed her to be. Like she'd like go to kiss her, but put her entire body weight <laughs> and we're like Emery so for the first few weeks it was literally like just keep Emery away from the baby which was really sad for me because I was like I have to be with the baby all the time which means I can't be with Emery ever yeah but she's gotten a lot better and understands a lot more um she's she anytime she hears her cry she comes running like she's gonna help her with something and like wants to shove the passy in her mouth and stuff like that but I think it's gonna be so sweet when they're like 
at least when Emery's like six months and she there's a little bit more human in her and they can kind of interact and I think when they're both like like when Verity's one I think it's going to be the sweetest thing ever when they're like walking around together I don't know I'm so excited it gets me through the hard days where I'm like this is so hard I know it'll be so worth it in like such a short time yeah exactly it's like playing that long game can be so helpful I love just like daydreaming about I'm really excited to parent teenagers and maybe that is like I don't know such a mom of teenagers is laughing at you right now I know I'm like really naive but I just feel like that's gonna be so much fun to have them close in age like we really want to homeschool so I don't necessarily think about I mean I guess grade wise like they'll be one grade apart but they'll just be at our house so that's exactly what we're doing too (laughs) I love that um Okay, so you've shared a little bit about your breastfeeding journey on your Instagram stories. And I would love if you could just kind of give like a brief synopsis of what that's been like, as well as some encouragement maybe for the mom who's walking through her own difficult breastfeeding journey is feeling some guilt or just like tension in that. Because I know it's a really intense, challenging thing as much as it is beautiful and bonding yeah for sure um yeah so background I did so much research on birth and pregnancy and birth when I was pregnant with Emery um I was obsessed with birth like all the things read all the books all the podcasts and I for some reason just did not look into breastfeeding at all I thought it was going to be I mean it's probably the classic story but like I literally thought like, oh, you just put the baby to your boob and they eat and everything is fine. Like it's the most natural thing ever. I don't know why. I don't know why I thought that birth was the most natural thing ever. And I don't know. Like I had to research all of this for birth, but I didn't for breastfeeding. But um, so I had just no expectations, no idea about anything. And so it was really hard to be like learning as I went. But yeah, Emery was born over nine pounds. And then everything seemed, yeah, she was a big baby. Um, and everything seemed to be going well in the hospital with breastfeeding. They had the, um, like lactation consultants and stuff come around all that. And yeah, they were like, she's latching though. Everything's fine. And then we took her to the pediatrician, like, I guess five days after she was born or something like that. And she had lost so much weight. Like, she had been crying and crying and crying. It's so sad to think back on. Uh, but she had been crying and I was like, oh my gosh, she must be a colicky baby. That's what they say if they're crying a lot. Like I just, I knew nothing about babies. Um, but she'd lost like 18%. Like she had been down to like 7.15 or something after being born at, at 9.1. And it was so traumatic. Like it. sometimes the way I tell the story, it sounds like, unless you're a mom, I think you would think I was just being so dramatic. But when you're a mom, you know how like deeply those things hit. But I just remember we like, they immediately were like, are you okay to like supplement her? I was like, yes, of course, like my child is starving. Like we of course are going to supplement her. But um, I just remember like weeping the whole way home from the doctor just being like, I've been starving her like that was my one job. Like it was just so sad. Um, And so practically how breastfeeding looked from there was like definitely supplementing her to get her back to like birth weight with formula but I was just so set on trying to like I was like no like I'm supposed to like I need to be breastfeeding she needs to be getting breast milk but so I was triple feeding which is if you don't know what triple feeding is it is you nurse the baby and then you pump and then you bottle feed whatever you pumped and um It was so taxing. I did that for months and I still wasn't even making, like, I was so stressed. Looking back, I was just like horribly stressed, which is the worst thing for milk supply. Um, I was like not sleeping because I was trying to pump like around the clock and because I was more concerned about that. And then I was like not eating and drinking, just a recipe for not producing milk. Um, And I still was barely even giving her like half of her intake, like at this point. So it was just so hard. There's so many like 
different aspects of it. It was super hard on me, like physically, emotionally. Um, I think the biggest thing was the emotional toll. Like, I don't know if I necessarily like had postpartum anxiety, but I, I mean, maybe I was definitely anxious (laughs) and like even not even more than that, but also I just like had so much shame around it. Like I just felt so guilty Like I would, I just hated giving her a bottle. Like I should have been thankful too because it made her happy and like she was thriving. She literally never, it was, there was no reason for me to feel guilt around it. But um, I literally felt shame giving her the bottle. And then I felt so much shame anytime I was around like a mom friend, if I like would, anytime I was around somebody else and I had to give her a bottle, I was just like, they're judging me. They think that I don't know that breastfeeding is best. They think that I like don't care to try, like made all these assumptions. It was just really hard um, on so many different levels. And then I finally, around three months, I basically just had no supply left and she was just bottle fed, but she is thriving in every way. So (laughs) it all worked out. But with that being my first experience, then when I was pregnant with Verity, I did so much more research. Um, yeah, I did. I watched like a million videos, listened to podcasts. That's just, I'm just like a resource of all types junkie in general. Like I'll listen to audiobooks on anything. Like I just get fixated on a topic and then I listen to all the things. Mostly listening because I have to like multitask it all the time to necessarily sit down and read a bunch of books. But so I did that with Verity and, but also kind of prepared myself mentally for like holding it all with open hands because I was like even if you know all the things like I don't want to I just don't want to cling to that I don't want it to be like devastating if my supply is low or something like that because ultimately it's not all in our control um but I just wanted to do what I could with what I was in control with so then when Verity was born um again things were going like well in the hospital but I remember uh like one of the, the second night when babies are more like cluster feeding, she was crying and I was kept nursing her. And one of the nurses was like, I think she needs to have formula. And I like spiraled in that moment. Cause I was like, Oh no, we're back here again. And I think I kind of just realized, I was like, I haven't actually held this all with loose, hand, like with open hands again, if this is, this is affecting me this much, but, um, Yeah, so there was a little bit until my milk came in, there was a little bit of like bridging that gap with a little bit of supplementing. But I will say, just to make this practical for anyone who's listening that doesn't need all the details, just going with your gut is so important. I know we hear that all the time in motherhood, but there were so many times where I was like, where it was being suggested that I should like supplement her and stuff. And I was like, I really think that she's getting enough. Like she seems happy with it. And And then, like, this part of me was, like, oh, but there's, like, the doctors are saying, like, I should do this, even though she's gaining weight and stuff. But I remember I was talking to some of my mom friends who had babies, like, right when Verity was born. Like, we all kind of had babies within the same, like, month or so. And they were, like, Zan, from everything you're saying, like, obviously I'm not a doctor, but it sounds like it sounds like she's doing well and it sounds like your body's doing exactly what you need. Like maybe you should just trust that, that like everything's, we were talking about just how everything with pregnancy and birth and raising children is it's like the Lord designed it to make us trust him more because there's so much that's out of our control. Like you can't see anything when your baby's in, in the womb, like, but you just have to trust. And then same with birth and same with breastfeeding and all these things that are so natural, just like, incline us to trust the Lord um but anyway that encouragement to me like really just helped me get through that and then now we're we're doing well but as far as I know you asked like encouragement to moms who would be like feeling guilty or the tension I would just say like it's so it's so easy to subconsciously like of course we wouldn't say it we wouldn't yeah, we wouldn't say it consciously, but it's easy to try to almost put our worth as a mom in like how our baby's fed and those kind of things. So if like there is a hard breastfeeding journey, we we almost put it on ourselves that the right thing to do is to keep suffering through it. And that's like the holy, the holy thing you can do or like just the best thing you can do for your baby. But like, obviously breastfeeding is amazing and there's so many health benefits, but like that 
all of those benefits don't automatically outweigh the costs that may be coming with a super difficult journey. And then also like, like I said, talking to people with Emery, I talked to no one about it. Even people that were so like, would have been so understanding and helpful and encouraging. I felt so much shame and embarrassment around it that I just literally hid it and just like wouldn't like, like it was just like this thing I t t only talked about with Nathaniel and of course like what is like a husband doesn't know you know it's like it's different um so yeah like I said I just held so much in out of shame and embarrassment but and that started to happen this time like I remember when the doctors were saying like you should probably I say the doctors like there were so many <laughs> but when it was when I was like thinking about um just like supplementing here and there with Verity I started to have that shame and again and I was like I don't want to talk about this with anyone and then I was like literally nothing good came from that last time and I when I started talking about it with my friends they gave me that encouragement I just remember feeling so much lighter even like even if this baby like even if I stop breastfeeding right now and formula feed her like I just feel so much lighter that I'm not keeping this as something that is like I don't know it's just crazy what the enemy can can do with like you keeping things in darkness um even if it's like that's not even a sin issue but it almost like became it was like twisted in my mind to be this like sin issue or something like that and how much more vulnerable we can be when we're not sleeping I mean when you are running like waking up every one to three hours for weeks on end I feel like I don't know postpartum for moms and dads can be such a vulnerable time for the enemy to like just get in our heads oh yeah exhaustion the exhaustion just makes you so vulnerable to that totally yeah thank you thank you for sharing about your breastfeeding journey I know that that's gonna like just be such a breath of fresh air for so many people especially I know you and I like are really passionate about like natural living and I think that's just a really challenging subject like when it comes to birth and breastfeeding and all the things like there can be so much um, shame, I guess, amongst moms and then add the level or the layer of like being in this holistic community um, while people mean well. It can just be really, really hard. Like I had a C-section, which was not my plan. And I didn't ever supplement, but I was told a lot because Flora's just like very petite. Like I got that <clears throat> a lot from like nurses and stuff, even though the lactation consultant was like, no, you're like my breastfeeding, breastfeeding for me came quite easy and it was like a positive journey, but she's still like, she's 15 months and 14 pounds. Like she is so small, but she eats all the time like she she eats all the things and so it yeah I guess was just a struggle of like going with your gut like you were saying um and me knowing that I was feeding her and it's just like you said a constant um coming back to the Lord and like trusting in him and anyways I just really appreciate you like sharing vulnerably about that because that's really really hard to be dealing with some of that stuff um, okay, so kind of switching gears a little bit, you share about homemaking, I feel like mostly on Instagram is what I'm referring to in a way that's really inspiring and feels attainable. Like I really love all of the little cleaning tips that you share. And it's fun because I feel like you always have like a baby on your hip or running around. So I just kind of want to know, like, what was it like for you to adjust to keeping a home when you became a mom? And just like any encouragement for new, newly married women or new moms who are like struggling to keep up with their homes. Because I feel like you do a really good job of this. Uh, <laughs> if only you could see literally any room in my house right now. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I'm not even joking. Like there genuinely are messes in every room at any point of the day. I think a lot of it has been lowering my expectations as much as that's not a super helpful, 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 there we go, words, answer for people who like really want their house to be clean. 
Yeah, I mean, because I've kind of just come to grips with the reality that as I'm cleaning, my toddler is generally going to be undoing what I've done. She's kind of very into everything. But um, at the same time, you obviously can still keep a home in a generally clean state. I think, like, making tidying and that stuff as enjoyable as possible because, like, obviously motherhood is tiring amazing but tiring job and so like adding a whole lot of cleaning to every single day if it's not enjoyable is a really taxing role um but for me like I said I'm a resource like I anything that I can listen to I love so like podcasts are my jam and so it's like therapy to me to be able to just like put in my airpods and clean the house like I absolutely love that if I can get Nathaniel to just I mean he's super helpful and helping clean too but sometimes I'm like I don't even want your help cleaning right now I just want you to hold the baby and give me an hour to just clean so I think practically there making cleaning and tidying as as enjoyable as possible to you um yeah not getting super caught up in like what the ideal house or ideal space necessarily because like I said not in a like not just throwing out the idea that my house can never be clean, but I'm like, for this season, that's not my priority. Yeah, if that were my priority, I may not do anything else besides follow my toddler around cleaning up after her. But, I mean, I, like, like once Emery goes to bed, a lot of times I'll spend that time, like I said, with the podcast, like, cleaning and stuff like that. But I pretty much know by morning it's going to be just doing its own thing again. So I kind of just figure out what spaces for me, like, I'm very influenced by my environment, so I figure out, like, which spaces are most important to be clean. Um, so, like, a lot of times my bed doesn't get made in our room. is kind of just to close the door room because I'm not in there all day. I'm in the kitchen and in the living room, and that's what I want to be, even though that's what's also going to get destroyed <laughs> every few minutes. It's what I want to be clean, so if I get a little bit of time, I focus on those areas. Um... My kitchen's my number one. Like, if I can keep anything clean in the house, I want it to be the kitchen. Because I feel like kitchen messes are just different than toys on the floor. Like, kitchen messes just make the whole house feel dirty. But, um, yeah, so that's always what I prioritize. I'm also really big. This is kind of not in, like, the tidy category. But I'm really big about making the place you're living in be a place you love like even if you don't have all your ideals because I think it's so easy in the Pinterest and in the Instagram and all that culture to be like I need this couch and I need these white walls and I need or maybe it's not white walls that's where it is in my little corner of the world but I need hardwood floors and beautiful natural lighting and all these things to love the space I live in or or else I can't you know it's like one day when I have those things then I'll love the space but you can really like, and this has been a learning journey. I'm definitely, or a learning process. I'm not, I have not arrived and I don't do this well all the time, but I try to always come back to the fact that like wherever I am, I can obviously be content with it, but I can also love the place and like make minor inexpensive changes to like really feel like a place is home and that it represents like it, it it's full of our personality and stuff. So yeah, even just small things like adding a gallery wall of things that you love or like for me I'm a big like lighting person like having lamps that I love just soft cozy lighting can make a whole room a difference like make the difference of a whole room for me um that kind of stuff just making a place cozy and you like whatever that personality is for you and your husband um yeah that's just something important to me so Absolutely. I feel like a couple of things that stuck out to me were when you were talking about like, I know that as I'm cleaning up, my toddler is going to come through a couple minutes later and mess it up. And just, I don't know that anyone ever said that to me. And I think I honestly passed a lot of judgment on moms. I was so naive. And I was like, when I have kids, I'm never going to let there be toys all over the ground. I mean, just terrible. And part of it is like, we're in an extremely small space. So the messes feel like our whole house is messy because we're in a very tiny house at the moment. But 
it's just nice to know that like that is something that you can expect and and to be able to hear that and and to say that in a way that's not negative, right? It's not like, oh, well, just you wait because your house is going to be messy and you're going to not enjoy it. Like not in a way that's depicting motherhood in this negative, terrible light, but in a way that's just like, hey, it's okay. This is fairly normal and it's going to happen. But like, like you said, it's just for a season. And I also really appreciate what you were saying about that. Like we have the ability to make our homes like feel like home and feel like us in small ways because we are in the process of like looking for our first house that we're buying which is super exciting and it's really hard because I'm such an idealist that I just have this list of like must-haves that aren't really must-haves especially in this market but must-haves Facing windows so I can get the morning sunrise light. (laughs) Exactly. At a certain level, you know, like our environment, like you said, really does impact us. And that was another like killer piece of advice because yes, I agree. Like we spend most of our time in the kitchen in the living room and it is so freeing to be able to just say, yeah, we're going to close the doors to the bedrooms And just not worry about that and focus on keeping this one small space semi-clean. Semi-clean. I was just saying, don't go crazy. Yeah. Um, So I know that you've also shared a little bit about like you guys hosting a small group and just opening up your home to people. And I would love to know like kind of you and your husband's journey with, um, I guess, yeah, like where did that come from? Like I knew your heart is to open up your home and like host people. And what does that look like for you guys in this season? And kind of where did that come from for you? Yeah. So when we were going through premarital counseling, actually our, the pastor, he was, he was asking us like, what would be your motto? Like we had to think about like a motto for our marriage and For instance, their motto, him and his wife, was um, smile and pick up trash, I want to say. Yeah, so it was like, be, like, striving. Basically what it meant when they broke it down was, like, be joyful and then pick up trash. Like, do do service to people that, like, other people aren't willing to do kind of thing. Mm. And then so for us, ours was um, embrace openness because something, my husband's whole thing, like, the whole, from the day I met him, he was all big about being open and honest. And he really embodied that well. Like he was very, he's just, yeah, he's an open book with everything. Like he's not the person that you have to really like try to like pry under his layers. Like if you want to know it, he'll share it. And Mm -hmm. I really admired that. Um, and that was like a value that we really wanted our marriage to be because he, um, he's in seminary right now. And he, at this point in, I guess for the whole time we were dating, he had like felt the call to ministry. And so we knew we would be going in or at that point, our trajectory was towards going into ministry one day. And so we just knew even whether it was occupational or not, we knew we wanted to be doing ministry. Um, yeah. We wanted that to just look like really just having our marriage be a, something that we open people into. Cause I think that's like one of the best ways to minister to people is just, letting your life not be closed off. You know, it's not always about having the right things to say or anything like that. Um, so yeah, we have a small group that we do like through our church. It's mostly college students. My husband wants to go into college ministry. That's just, it was a time that both of our lives were changed a lot. We're really passionate about, I'm going into so many details. I'm such a like rabbit trail person. But yeah, so that was a time that was like very pivotal in our life. So we're really passionate about that age group. So we have, it's mostly, like I said, mostly college students, um, another like young married couple too. And every Wednesday, everyone comes over for dinner and we have like a home cooked meal. And then we do our small group, which is basically Bible study. Um, we like dig into the word. We pray for each other, all of that. Um but yeah, that's been something that we've just valued since the beginning is 
inviting people. I mean, it's really simple. It's nothing like big. It's literally just to be like to have people over for dinner, like anytime we're cooking. I would say we strive for it more than it like, it's like something we really value, but it's not something that happens all the time. But we're always trying to like grow in it. It's mostly me. My husband, like I said, he is the Enneagram seven of sevens. He's super extroverted. So he would absolutely love for everyone he knows to be in our house every single day of the week. I'm super introverted. And like, especially after a long day of motherhood, it's hard for me to be like, I want my house, my living room full right now. So it's been more me growing through our marriage of like, yes, this is good. Cause I do love it every time people are he- are here. But again, as an introvert, it's just like not something that sounds super rejuvenating to me. Um, but yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I, I love, I love that you guys are so willing and intentional and because you're intentional because it's not just going to happen on its own, right? Like, I think it's so easy to think, yeah, we'll have people over for dinner and then like it never (laughs) happens. So I think that's so awesome. And I love that you guys are willing to just let the Lord use you. Like, here's our space. Here's our home. Here's what we can offer. And this is how we want to serve and love people. I think it can be so easy, especially in this season of our lives, having young children to be like, you know, that's just not for me right now in this season. And, you know, someday when our kids are a little older, we'll do that. And obviously, yeah, like use discernment about your capacity and stuff. But I think at a certain level, life is always going to be busy. Our kids will then have activities. And I don't know, I think it, like I said, it's something that doesn't just happen. Like you have to prioritize that. And so I just love that you guys are willing to open up your home and to prioritize that as a family and to love on people in that way. I think that's so great. Yeah. It can be so hard because like I even find myself, I'm like, well, if the baby's crying and people are here, like, what do we do? And my husband's like, then they're here while the baby's crying. Like, that's just life. And I think, like I said, it's, we balance each other out well, but that's something I've really been growing and need to grow more in, but just realizing like that is, that is doing life together. That's what it looks like. That's what community is supposed to look like. It's not about like having your perfect, perfectly clean home, coming back to that and perfectly quiet children. Like that's not it. Like it's all, it's about like, you know, being in the messy moments together with other people. And that's like where deep friendships form. So. Yeah. And that's so cool for the college kids in your small group to see you guys like as faithful people walking out your call as parents. Like, I don't know. My husband and I had never changed a diaper until our daughter was born. We had. (laughs) I literally (laughs) never changed a single diaper. (laughs) No, we knew. We just like, I don't know. We. We didn't have like younger siblings or cousins that we spent time with. We had no baby experience. And like, I know that it's so fun for us. Like we were kind of the first of our friends um, to have kids. And I know that it's been really fun. They've expressed to us. It's been cool for them to see us just like being parents and just kind of figuring it out. And so I think it's almost more valuable for your small group to be there when the girls are crying and when they are having a tough time and to watch you guys carry that, like navigate that with grace and to watch you guys handle it well, I feel like will be really encouraging and inspiring for them and um, to have you guys as like role models in that way. You know, someone who's their age and not like 15 years older that they're watching parent, you know. Yeah, it feels more relatable. Totally. So my last question, I know we talked a little bit about our Enneagram numbers and you've shared that you are a big dreamer and I love that because I am too. And I think, I don't know, I love, I'm looking right now across my room at this like vision board that I made for my life. And I don't know, obviously like we hold things open and loosely allowing the Lord to like change our past but I'm also like okay (laughs) unless the Lord guides me somewhere else here's where I'm going and it's gonna happen and I'm gonna work for it and pray about it and I'm so excited just to watch these dreams come to fruition and so I'd love to hear 
um, a few of the dreams that you have for you and your family for the next, I said like 10 years, but I don't know. Timeline isn't really important. Just the next couple of years. What are some of your biggest dreams? Yeah. Um, we definitely feel called and just strongly burdened for doing foster care. Um, we were actually like in the process of getting certified to be foster parents when we found out we were pregnant with Emery. <laughs> and then in North Carolina, you, at the time where we live, you couldn't, um, you couldn't have a baby, like you can't have a baby within a year and also, also foster. It's very interesting. But, um, yeah, so we've even talked about that since Verity was born, I guess, since I don't have baby fever to be pregnant again, <laughs> like, well, now's a good time to look into fostering. Um, and definitely, yeah, so we're very open to adoption and all that. So I think that will definitely be a part of our next 10 years. Um, and then living on land. <laughs> I feel like that is so cliche in my little corner of the world, but truly that is oh, such a dream for me and my husband. My husband grew up on a hundred, more than a hundred acres in a like barn that was turned like an original barn from hundreds of years ago that they turned into a house. So he like lived my future dream <laughs> growing up. Um, but, and it's funny cause he like loves cities and I'm like, you don't even know what you had, <laughs> but I, yeah, we, we would both still like, even though he loves cities, he, we both just feel so it's like, it sounds so cheesy the way I describe it. It's where my four wing really comes out, but I just feel like so alive when I'm in the country, like the sunrise is just over a field. Like I love it more than anything. Um, so living on land, having chickens and a dairy cow and our kids running around and working in a garden. And I had briefly said in agreement to you that like we want to homeschool. And my whole thing with that is like, I don't want to just bring school home. Like I want it to be totally, obviously I want them to be educated on school subjects, but at the same time, I want it to be unconventional that they're like in the kitchen. And that's like part, like, they're doing life and like learning life skills. So I just see a lot of that. Um, and then I mentioned my husband's in seminary right now for, and he wants to go into college ministry. So I, that's just something we've always pictured is our house being filled with college students Our like our marriage and family being very open to other people being a part of. That's why we try to work. We we're especially my husband is really big about leading in the idea that if we want to be something in 10 years, if there's something that we like strive to be or like value, we need to start doing that now because we're forming the habits now and we're not going to magically become a different person. So like on every level, we need to be working on it in today. Um, so yeah, that's like a big thing. I would absolutely, this is like, sounds like such a superficial dream <laughs> but I would love to have a guest house I know that sounds so like bougie but I would just love to have my dream is to have a house like out back that we rent out to college students so they're like they have their own space and they have their own privacy like they're like doing their roommate thing but their our door is like always open for them to like come have breakfast with us and stuff like that like I just think that would be so cool so yeah those are a few of our little dreams. <laughs> I love that. I love that so much. And and I love that like ministry is such a key part of that. And I feel like having that space, the guest house idea is so cool. I feel like I have to explain it because it sounds like I just <laughs> like just an Airbnb. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's awesome. And I know for me, like I went to college. Um I'm from Kansas and then I moved to California where we are right now still for college, not knowing a single person. And that would have been amazing. Like to have a home where I could go to regularly and even just to like live in a space where I felt like, yeah, there was someone I could go to if I needed anything. Not that I didn't have a good support system, but I, I never stepped foot in like a house throughout 
all of my years in college. Yeah, it's such a real part of college. It's like you forget you have to go home to feel that home experience again. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I can't wait to watch all those things happen <laughs> for you guys. Okay, to wrap up, I have just a couple of like rapid fire questions. So what are three things that you've been loving lately? Okay. Um, simple farmhouse podcast. <laughs> I have with Lisa base or bass I don't know but with Lisa and it's so great it's so inspiring she talks about she's got me started starting my sourdough starter again it's just really great um and then kind of in the same vein I we're very far from like from scratch quote-unquote living or like anything that self-sustainable lifestyle homesteading stuff and we live very much in the middle of the suburbs but like I said, we say if we want something in 10 years, we want to like start making, building those habits now. So we've been talking a lot about like, what can we do with where we are? Like simple things like making our own bread. And I've been trying to get into that and like getting our produce from the farmer's market and looking into having chickens because we can have those in the suburbs and gardening, all of that. Instead of waiting for one day, we've been kind of like moving towards that. I love that. That way, like, it's less of a learning curve when you finally get the land and you're like, oh, no, we don't know how to grow anything. Like, it's awesome that you guys are taking those baby steps. I'm I'm with you. Yes. And then my last thing would be oat milk frothy coffees because I've had one every single day. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Yum. Do you have a do you have a frother that you use? Yeah, I do. It's like does hot and cold froth. It's great. It's one of my favorite. Wait, is it the one? Is it like the the handheld thing, or is it like the one that Abigail has shared on her story? I think Abigail. I think Ab and I have the same one. It's like the white pitcher one. It's on sale for Amazon Prime Day, even though this is not going to be Amazon Prime Day anymore when this comes out. Heck yeah, love it. How can we as a community be praying for you right now? Um, I would say just to be faithful in all the areas of my life. That's been my continual prayer these days um, to my family and our church and discipling and my business and health and all of those things. Just like doing it all, viewing it all, first of all, like for a heart change of viewing it all as worship. Um, And then, yeah, doing it all for the Lord's glory. Because I think it can be really easy to get stuck in the mundane and the rat race and all that and just lose sight of why it all matters on an eternal scale. Totally. Zan, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It was so, so fun to talk to you and feel like real life friends now. Um, I know people will just be like wanting to get to know you more and kind of watch maybe some of the highlights. I know you have a highlight on breastfeeding, right? And like all kinds of just great info on your page. So where can people find you and connect with you? Yes, everyone, please come say hi and DM me and ask me any questions or just talk. But I, yeah, I mostly hang out on Instagram. My handle is Zan Sibley, just straight my name, no underscores, no anything like that. Just... X-A-N-S-I-B-L-E-Y. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. And we'll also link that in the show notes so you can find her there. Thanks so much. It was so good to chat with you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Love in a Cottage. I'm so grateful you decided to join us today, and I hope you're going forward in your day feeling encouraged, understood, and inspired. If you liked today's episode, I'd love to encourage you to share it with a friend. You can also screenshot this episode and share it on your Instagram stories, which will help more like-minded women find our show. Speaking of Instagram, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and follow us? We share content there throughout the week about the show, and it's a great way to connect with fellow listeners. Our username is at Love in a Cottage Podcast. And if you're looking for more connection, you can also join our Facebook group, which is linked in the show notes as well. There are weekly episode discussions, and it's a great way to find friends and listeners who might be in your area. And finally, if you'd like to support us further, you can simply write a review on iTunes. You guys, what this does is help other like-minded women find the show. 
Your support means so much to me. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you back here next week for another episode.